0: Welcome to The Refresh from Insider. I'm Rebecca Barra. And I'm Rebecca Knight. It's Wednesday, September 28th, and we're here with you updating the news all day, every weekday. Here's the latest. Hurricane Ian is barreling toward Florida right now after leaving Cuba completely in the dark. The people on the island have no power after the storm blanketed Cuba Tuesday, causing serious damage and two deaths. It's expected to make landfall in Florida this afternoon as a category four hurricane. Airports in Tampa, Orlando and St. Petersburg have grounded all planes in preparation. And more than two and a half million people have been ordered to evacuate because of expected flooding and powerful winds. Governor Ron DeSantis urged residents to take the order seriously at a press conference.
1: Your time to evacuate is coming to an end. Uh, You need to evacuate now Uh, You're going to start feeling major impacts of this storm uh, relatively soon.
0: Russia is declaring victory in a series of referendums staged in occupied regions of Ukraine. Western allies largely see the results as illegitimate, in part because armed Russian officials collected the votes. This opens a potentially dangerous new chapter in the war. Russia could claim Ukrainian attempts to take back the areas are an attack on Russia itself. Vladimir Putin has been doubling down on this war, calling in reserve troops, and threatening a nuclear attack. Interest rate hikes from the Federal Reserve are making the U.S. dollar stronger, and that may seem great, but the bad news is that other countries are trying to play catch-up, and it's causing this weird so-called reverse currency war. You see, usually countries try to devalue their money to make the goods they export more attractive. But countries like the UK and Japan are now worried that if their currencies get too cheap, it'll cost them more to import basics like food and energy. Not great when inflation is on everyone's mind. If you follow Fast Company magazine on Apple News, you probably received a jarring push notification last night iPhone lock screens that normally display breaking news and clever headlines suddenly displayed a pair of shockingly racist and sexually explicit alerts under Fast Company's name. Yes, the magazine confirmed its Apple News account and its website had been hacked, and they pulled the plug on both until the situation could be fixed. Here we go again. Authorities are investigating a couple who dyed a waterfall in Brazil electric blue for their gender reveal party. The couple posted a video on social media of the waterfall rushing with the strange Gatorade-like color and it quickly went viral. Officials are now looking into what the couple used to dye the waterfall and if it caused any environmental damage. Gender reveal parties celebrating an outdated understanding of gender and destroying nature too. Today and every day, we're updating the refresh from Insider as news happens. So, check back whenever you want to know the latest. Did you know you can share any of our segments on social media? Just look in the description section on your podcast app, and you'll see a little share link next to each story. It's super easy. Give it a try. For young political candidates, the road to elective office is turbulent. They get told by senior party leaders to wait their turn, they get hung up on by political consultants, and raising money is often trying. For every success story like New York's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, there are dozens of other young candidates who can't seem to break through. Senior politics reporter John Dorman explores what it will take for rising Gen Z and millennial contenders to actually win seats— So let's start from the beginning. What are some of the biggest obstacles facing these young up-and-comers?
1: I would say just entering a race and having a lack of support from the party, having to start from scratch. And for a lot of these candidates, they don't have like donor lists. They don't have the sort of connections to kind of just be able to tap into people who would be able to fund the campaign or to even to get like a grassroots support.
0: I was struck by one of the young politicians you spoke to, Nita Alam, who is a 28-year-old county commissioner who ran for Congress in North Carolina, but lost in the primary. She was backed by heavy hitters in the Democratic Party, including Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. But in her home state, she kept hearing from senior leaders that she needed to, quote, wait her turn. What do you think is at the root of the resistance from the
1: establishment? A lot of it's comfort. They're comfortable people that they already know. It's all about these connections. They'll say, hey, this person is was my chief of staff, so I think they'll be a great candidate. Why don't we see them run? Why don't we help them? And for people that aren't necessarily in those circles, it can be difficult to break in. And then as John Iceman, the Republican candidate um, in the New Jersey 7th District, told me, a consultant didn't even want to take his phone call. And basically it was like, well, don't tell anyone that I called because they didn't want to get on the bad side of the perceived frontrunner in that particular race. So there's just a lot of pressure, even on a like, personal level.
0: There have been some successes in recent years. Of course, AOC, Democratic Senator Joe Nosa from Georgia, who is 35. How did they manage to break through?
1: AOC, she basically just ran a really strong grassroots campaign. She really went into the communities. She had small meetings. She basically blanketed, you know, social media. She had lots of volunteers that may necessarily not have been involved in politics before. And I think a lot of people were really looking for someone that they felt a little more connected to. And with John Ossoff, he had ran for the House before. And when he ran for the Senate, not only did he have higher name recognition, but he really tapped into um, especially a lot of things that Stacey Abrams was doing, registering new voters, especially a lot of younger voters and voters that were recently moved to Georgia. I mean, he did a really great job of mobilizing them. And that put him in a really great position to win the runoff election in January 2021.
0: So playing devil's advocate, is there something to having a certain amount of age and wisdom, ravitas, life experience, having done time in the political trenches that makes older candidates more appealing to voters and and maybe even more effective as leaders?
1: You're right. There is a comfort. I feel a lot of people, they'll say, hey, such and such has Mm -hmm. served in the legislature. They've been a House member. So why not have them in the Senate? We've seen them do X, Y, and Z. That's definitely something that a lot of voters gravitate towards. But I have to say over the past decade or so, I've really started seeing more voters say, hey, that's great. But why don't we give someone new a chance? Why don't we get someone from other industries? Why don't we get someone who's outside of government? We would like an outsider, someone maybe that we feel more connected to. I feel like people will say, well, we've had experienced politicians before. They haven't always done what they've said they were going to do. So let's try something else.
0: John, what are you taking away from your reporting of this story? What kinds of things are needed in our political system or in our culture that might make it easier for young politicians to rise up?
1: One big thing is the voter outreach has to go beyond you know, here's a midterm, here's a presidential election. This is what we're going to do. And you should vote for us because we're going to do this for you. And then two years later, you don't really, you don't hear much in the interim, but when the next election comes, then you'll hear politicians coming around for younger voters. And I think that's one of the bigger issues is that there's really not a real engagement. And if there was a way in which they could be a bit more integrated into the political process, getting younger people started at the city council level. Because, you know, they're already there. You know, there are so many younger people, especially millennials, that have started opening up businesses. And those are the kinds of people that will be involved in their communities. They're the ones that are going to be at those city council meetings. They're the ones that are going to be asking about regulations. So I think that is like a really important thing.
0: Because those are issues that are profoundly important to them. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, John. It was really a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. John Dorman is a senior politics reporter at Insider. And for more on Insider's Red, White, and Gray series, go to Insider.com. Make sure to follow the refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave us a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. You can also just tell your smart speaker to play the Refresh from Insider podcast. I'm Rebecca Ibarra. And I'm Rebecca Knight, in for Dave Smith. Talk to you soon.